Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. The Athletic. Hello and welcome to Glad Tidings, the Athletics Everton Football Club podcast. I'm Greg O'Keefe. I'm joined by Paddy Boyland to discuss. Oh, not, not much really. It's not been that much going on since we last spoke, has there? <laughs> yeah, where, Drum roll. where do we even start? Um, but um, yeah, we probably need to start with an apology for not doing a show last week, Greg. We do, we do, we do. I'm sorry about that. Uh, any regular listeners who, who were waiting for an episode last week. Um, Few technical issues, however, we we have reconvened with uh, obviously probably one of the biggest podcasts we will have recorded for quite some time in terms of the uh, significance of what we're discussing. Um, so before we get going, just to tell you that you can subscribe to Athletic UK right now for a special price of three ninety nine a month for six months, and that's forty percent off the full price of a subscription. You'll enjoy great analysis and in depth features from the very best football writers around as well as ad-free versions of all our podcasts such as this. So go to theathletic.com forward slash Everton pod to take advantage of that special 40% discount. That's theathletic.com forward slash Everton pod. Should also say after this, we're going to take uh, a little sabbatical, probably the best part of the Euros really, aiming to come back uh, mid-July. However, if there is news on Everton's uh, managerial front, then uh, you can bet that we'll be back to discuss that before that point. So uh, we will certainly not leave you hanging on that. But it is the manager search that, we, uh, that we're here to talk about. The news, of course, that Carlo Ancelotti left Everton in dramatic and very sudden circumstances on Tuesday to become the manager of Real Madrid. From Real, Real Madrid manager, now the current Real Madrid manager, Everton, absolutely managerless and uh, up a certain creek without a paddle. So it seems... However, hopefully it'll all turn out fine, Paddy. Um, thanks for joining this online counselling session. <laughs> um, <laughs> I like that at times, doesn't it? Following Everton. Yeah, it does. It does. We we uh, we we were going to talk about the end of the season. That's probably, in a way, part of this the, the wider theme. Let's start with where we're at. Um, you and I were actually uh, having a stroll along Crosby Beach, weren't we? When we began to realise. Um, that the rumours that we were just being keeping abreast of with slight eye raised about Ancelotti and Real Madrid, because of course we knew that uh, Real are one of those clubs that pumps out random rumours 24-7, 365 days of the year. Uh, we both began to hear that it was possibly going to be a bit more than that. And our, our day, like every other Evertonians, and, and uh, it quickly became consumed by one thing, one thing only. Um, yeah. It happened very quickly, didn't it? It did. I think it was quite a fraught 48 to 72 hours for everybody. And I'm not just referring to journalists like ourselves, but people attached to Everton, Carlo Ancelotti. Uh, when Real, From the point at which Real Madrid decided that he was the one they wanted to 
when he actually was announced and unveiled as Real Madrid manager. I think we're only looking at a block of maybe potentially 72 hours there, a couple of days, three days or so. And obviously things have moved with lightning speed, uh, taken everybody a little bit by surprise. Carlo Ancelotti himself, I don't think he expected to ever be in a, in a position to go back to Real Madrid. Everton, who weren't preparing a succession plan, when preparing to to cope with the loss of their manager at, at, at this point in the project, and also the players too, because you've got loads of players either representing their national sides and looking ahead to the to the Euros, the upcoming Euros, and then also players on holiday in kind of disparate parts of the globe. I think almost unanimously it has taken everybody by surprise. Um, what that means for Everton is that they're in a situation now where they're having to plan for something and having to respond to something that they didn't expect, which puts them on the back foot a little bit. And we're in this kind of situation. Obviously, there's going to be loads of disappointment about this, um, even when we take into account that the season ended in very disappointing fashion. And we've, we've, we've discussed that a, a little bit in, in previous shows. What, what's, your, what's your response now? We're a couple of days on from this. It's been a bit easier to take stock now. We've had more time. What, what's your response? How are you feeling about the, the news and, and how it happened? Um, so, yeah, the, the, the initial shock's largely dissipated. I still still feel like a semblance of, of <laughs> shock. It's, it's hard to sort of shake off in the sense that sometimes it's just, it happens so quickly, it's, it's surreal, and you're, you're trying to process it. Um, I feel I feel frustrated for the club. It's difficult to not be negative in the circumstances, and you know it, there's always a chance it could be ultimately one door closing, another opening could be a positive thing. Let's hope it is. But there's also a big degree of risk. Um, it's a project, if you you know forgive the term, ripped up prematurely. It's losing one of the best, certainly a manager with one of the best CVs in world football. It's losing the allure that he has to sign players his tactical acumen, um, his backroom, all that that sort of thing. But I feel a bit conflicted too, pardon if I'm honest, because that end to the season, whatever Ancelotti has subsequently said, uh, which I find quite uh, difficult to stomach when he tried to very, very cheekily claim in his Real Madrid press conference that it was a qualified success being in the <laughs> shop for Europe until yeah. the last game of the season, which arguably they, they actually effectively weren't. Um I would have said, and we did say, you know, you and I were chatting about the end of the season. I think he had to improve anyway. I think he had questions to answer. I think he had uh, had to take responsibility for not being able to solve the problem of the home form for some of the turgid football that we saw, especially at home. And um, it sort of alarmed me, really, when he was, albeit quite honestly, saying that he just didn't know why they weren't able to win at home. Um, sort of thought, well, I expect a bit better from you, really. There. That said, I certainly would never have, you know, thought that that was indication that they should have gone elsewhere or, or got rid of him. So, you know, I think it's, uh, to lose him is still a blow. But I hope, I hope that maybe it can lead to an opportunity for something better. And that's me trying to be optimistic. What, what's your sort of feeling on it now? Yeah, I, I quite, I quite like that. When I got over the initial shock and, and disappointment in, um, in a certain way as well, I did think that Everton needed to view this in positive terms, as an opportunity. That's not to say there isn't disappointment internally at what's happened and how it's transpired uh, to some extent, but I I think you've got to put a positive spin on it, a positive face, and look at how you can improve something which, all things considered, was a disappointing 10th place finish. It was not a good end to the season. It was not a good second half to the season. 
And some of the things you've mentioned there about the home form, it's, it's incumbent on supposedly top managers to make the mm. most of their resources to find a solution to the home form. He, he wasn't able to do that for large swathes of the campaign and didn't seem to be able to come up with any solutions whatsoever to, to some of those problems. And that was a sense of frustration, not, not only for us, but also for the players, for him, for people inside the club, as, as we understand it. Um, so he did have legitimate questions to, to answer himself. Um, maybe if it's not necessarily a happy camp at times, and he's, as he did on several occasions, criticizing the work rate and application of the players, then maybe he needs to look in the mirror himself in those situations. Again, we hear all this stuff about him being a fantastic man manager. Show it. Show that these show that you can get more out of these players than your predecessors have. And I just don't think I think he had questions to answer. And I was looking forward to seeing how he was going to respond to that in the market and next season. But we're not going to have the opportunity to see what his response would have been. So it, it, it feels, un, it, the whole thing feels unfulfilling and un, unfulfilled. It feels like there's a kind of an ellipsis at the end of a sentence and we don't know how it would have panned out. The long and short of it now is that Everton need to move on and it's, it's a massive summer. It's an absolutely massive summer. We've, we've spoken at length now about the work that Everton need to do to, to probably improve all parts of the squad, all parts of the pitch and to get in players of considerable quality for the for the starting 11 it's much harder to do that when you're without a manager because what is the point in signing loads of players spending loads of money when you're in Everton situation and then effectively foisting players that a new manager is not asked for on them so um I, th I think Everton need to take stock they need to sit and take stock we understand they will um I know there are lots of suggestions early doors that, that things are accelerating quickly and elsewhere People are saying that things are accelerating quickly with some potential targets. But I think they are prepared, if it comes to it, to sit down and continue to assess their targets and see who they can get, who try to make a more calculated decision more than something that's reactive and impulsive and panic-driven. <laughs> the, the next decision they need to get right, they really need to get right. And I, I just think some fans get so sick of the word project this idea that Everton are constantly in these cycles where they're, where they're looking to, to build from the ground up. And that's fine in isolation, but we keep having these projects and not getting anywhere with them. So the next one that happens, the next one, it's so crucial, looking ahead to Bramley Moor, that they get this next one right, that they take the time, they're aware of that. And it can't be another manager who I think is, is, is going to come in and need all these new kind of, big, massive, expensive resources. There's also going to be an element of having to improve the resources at, at the, the club's disposal already too. We need somebody to, to get the most out of, out of lads that underperformed on the pitch last season. So big job for Everton. Would have been a big job for Ancelotti anyway. But now it's going to be a big job for his, uh, his predecessor when that eventually happens. I, I think that, um, I mean, look, the focus has to move on from Ancelotti, but... I would just say that, uh, like I say, I was I was more than a little um, angered to see him, some of the things he said in his press conference at Real Madrid, particularly that about you know sort of Everton saying he'd done a, a, a good job. Um, I actually think he leaves Everton having, and you write the word unfulfilled, but he leaves Everton having essentially failed um, because he came here to try and prove that he still had the hunger and the drive and and the the ability to do something that he'd arguably not done before, which was to sort of 
not go into a super club and uh, used to winning and to, to keep winning, but to go in and drag a club up uh, by the force of his own ability as a manager and to take a club forward substantively and, and all those sort of things. Um, and he leaves, you know, on his terms, having failed. And I think that's, it will get forgotten very quickly, um, but it's a shame. And I also wonder if at some point it will feel like a fever dream when you think that, you know, the the era of watching James Rodriguez playing an Ancelotti Everton team uh, to an empty stadium, it's just uh, it's it's going to seem very very strange in ten <laughs> in ten or so years time. I've, I've I've woken up in a number of cold sweats over the last few nights um, over all of this, but you you're entirely right. It, it 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 I think we will look back on this as quite a bizarre chapter in uh, in some ways in Everton's modern history. Uh, I remember I remember travelling with you to Ancelotti's first press conference as Everton yeah. manager when he was unveiled and both of us in slight disbelief that it was happening. Um, obviously, that's been brought to an abrupt end. This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League 2 after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League 1? FX's Welcome to Wrexham premieres May 2nd on FX. Stream on Hulu. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. He's quite lucky, really. I mean, he's, he, he is able to, and he deserves this to an extent. He is able to look back now on a very positive record elsewhere. He's obviously a very successful manager and, and has been over the years. That body of work and the, the fact that he had a positive relationship with Real Madrid as what has got him the job, it's got nothing to do with what he did at Everton Football Club because at best, it was decidedly average the, the mm. year and a half. Uh, at worst... Um, as we've said, significant questions needed to be answered. I was of the belief that he needed more time. He needed the, the squad needed more investment. It needs to be tailored in his image. So I wouldn't go too hard on him. But I think those questions over the home form and motivating players remained. And he needed, he was going to need to answer them in the early part of the season for those doubts to be dispelled a little bit. So let, let's see, let's see what happens. I, I, I would kind of like to see Everton now look at this and, and think to themselves, right, let's not necessarily spend £11 million a year on a new manager. Uh, let's look to do things in a sustainable way. Let's look to build something with young, hungry managers, young, hungry footballers, um, get a sense of dynamism and vibrancy back into the club. I think it needs to kind of be shaken, grabbed by the coattails and shaken to mm. bring something more out of, out of it because everything – Certainly in the second half of the season, it felt stale, it felt tepid, stagnant, all those kinds of things. And, and that needs to change. It, the momentum felt like it was going in the wrong way. And it, needs, it almost needs somebody to come in and galvanise whoever, whoever that may be. 
that's a really good point. I think with the character offs that come in, and we'll we'll discuss this in a minute in more depth of the people that we understand currently in the mix. I think it has to be someone who is a character capable of galvanising the club. And that, look, that's not to suggest they're just going get in someone who's a bit charismatic, but you know couldn't manage a Sunday league team. Obviously, the CV and the success is all important uh, or is all helpful. But I feel. We've had managers there in Ronald Koeman, who's got the reputation, in Marco Silva, who had the sort of, in many ways, the potential, and now in Ancelotti, who was a, there was a degree of star factor about him, and he said the right things, but they've never had anyone who's truly, really resonated with Everton fans, has had the character to really get the fan base. And look, it's on a scale. I mean, Ancelotti got it far more than Koeman did, for example, even in the shortest time, I believe. Still, did you believe like, him? By the way, Greg, because I know that's the question that's being prompted now. Did, well, he's not no, soft. He's, is he? not. he's not soft. Um, who knows? Who knows? He seemed very genuine in terms of his uh, affection for the area, uh, and um, he didn't have a chance to bond with the fans as much as he, as he would have in normal times. But who knows? He's uh, he's not he's not soft. Anyway, I think it needs to be a character who can come in and, as well as like I say, having the CV. Just as you you explain there, to really galvanise the club, say the right things, a bit of a Moise Martinez type character, if you will, really. Who can in, in what in what sense? Sorry, in terms of the the, the character, the personality, and, mm-hmm. and kind of what they're going to bring to the job. What I would say about those two guys, and particularly Martinez, who obviously failed in his in his time at Everton, ultimately glorious say, failure. Yeah, but those those two guys, and I'm not. This is not a point of comparison with Ancelotti. He was motivated, he did want, in my belief, to, to make things work while he was at the club. But Martinez was notorious, Moyes as well, as being the guy that would sit there in his office at Finch Farm, basically until the, the last light was turned off, trying to come up with answers. I think Martinez and Moyes fully got Everton in, in uh, most senses and... Maybe the, that that's overstated. Maybe the importance of that is overstated. I'd probably just like at this moment in time, like I say, I think the personality needs to be somebody who can actually kind of grab the bull by the horns. It needs to be somebody on the way up rather than somebody that's heading down. Um, and um, with the best will in the world, the players that come in need to be along those lines too. I'd like I'd like to see a young, hungry, dynamic squad, players with pace, players with energy, um, technical ability um, so they need to get all of those things in place for well as soon as possible really so yeah and we, we were saying that any bar in the manager side of thing we were saying that's that's the type of players we wished Everton were going to sign anyway in the sort of Ben Godfrey mold yeah. but on on the front of the manager profile then so far and I, I don't know if you have read our piece that we uh, had on first published on the site yesterday. If you've not managed yet, um, please do. Just basically evaluating and assessing the candidates that we know of thus far. Um, you've got Nuno Espirito Santo, the former Wolves manager, who's we understand there've been some early talks with with him. There's David Moyes, as as we've both mentioned, um, a possible return of the former Everton manager. There's sort of outliers to a degree uh, in Rafa Benitez. In Ralph Rangnick, uh, you know, in in even Roberto Martinez, who's been discussed in some court, some corners of the boardroom as someone that, if they if they could somehow inveigle a situation where he comes back, that would be possibly um, attractive. Let's start start with Nuno Pad. 
What do you make of his credentials to be the next Everton manager? Mm. The interesting question here is, if you'd asked me this 12 months ago, I'd have been more for it than I am now. Mm. And I'm not completely writing the guy off, but I thought his early body of work at Wolves, certainly up to the final season, was very impressive. And of course, don't forget that he was a name bandied about by people um, and journalists before, well, around the time that Everton got silver. Um, so he, he's always been somebody that's been pushed around in Everton circles. His, his agent, Jorge Mendes, is, is obviously the same guy who represents James Rodriguez. There are some links there with the Everton hierarchy. Um, so I'm absolutely convinced that he is a name that is being suggested to Everton as a potential option because he's a free agent and he's readily available. There aren't many of those about and certainly not at a particularly high calibre. Now, I don't know enough to go into the complexities of what happened at Wolves, but the last year didn't go particularly well. He was unlucky with Raul Jimenez. My issue with Nuno, and I think he is a good manager, by the way. Um, Some of his early work, very, very impressive at Wolves. My issue with Nuno is that while it might be quite easy to transition from Carlo's hybrid three at the back, four at the back, to, to Nuno's three at the back, it can be quite a safe, rigid, and, and quite slow build-up at times. And I, I don't think, with the best will in the world, that that's Everton football, nor do I necessarily think that it's massively in keeping with the way the tide is going at this moment in time. I, I always... I'm, Again, this is just my opinion, so feel free to shoot me down. I think Everton are better when they play at pace and at tempo. I like to see them getting in the face of the opposition, particularly at Goodison, and looking to hustle and harry high up the pitch to win the ball back. When they move away from that, you start to get grumblings from the fan base, and particularly at times under Martinez. Remember John Stones turning around in irate fashion and gesticulating at the, the park end because they were playing the balls very slowly around the box and getting themselves into trouble. I don't think that's an easy fit, that style for Everton. So maybe I'm doing Nuno a disservice, but I'm not yet the position where of those easily achievable, I see a standout candidate. The whole point of this is that because Everton were caught on the hop and weren't expecting Ancelotti to leave when he did, they're having to start from scratch, from zero and work their way up. So it's a process and it's early stages in that process. And I think new names will, will emerge, but... But certainly he is one of the more tangible names that I've heard so far. Uh, I don't know if you'd agree. Yeah, and, and then you look at David Moyes as well, and I think that that situation is is also kind of fraught with ambivalence to a degree because whilst he's undoubtedly proven that at West Ham that he's still got it in the Premier League, he can still, certainly last season, you know, he still produced a, a good recruitment, winning football, and can sort of beat the sort of odds, obviously finishing above Everton, getting into uh, to Europe. Um, whether or not he'd be willing to jeopardise that, what he's achieved there and come back to Merseyside, who knows? His contract, as we understand it, isn't signed yet at the Olympic Stadium. So um, they've offered him a new contract, obviously on the back of such a strong season. There were rumblings from down south that he'd, he'd verbally agreed it, uh, but that hasn't yet been signed. It's, it's current term expire at the end of June. So it's fraught at the moment. Now, could Everton persuade him? Possibly. Footballs are, can be quite sentimental sometimes. Place and Moyes was obviously interested in it before Ancelotti, wasn't he? As we wrote in our piece. 
then arguably was treated not brilliantly uh, when Everton got wind, having it sort of in some some corners, as it was reported, and understood verbally offered the job. Then there was the case of all of a sudden Ancelotti was available and it was withdrawn and Moyes was kind of uh, kicked to the curb. Backtracking, yeah, yeah. So would he would he choose Everton? Uh, should Everton choose him? In many ways, um, in many ways, yes. I think he gets the club. He's proven he can still do it. He's proven he's still got the uh, recruitment um, fundamentals that he, he did so well at Everton, and he's now doing giving some time at West Ham. You sort of you get carried away with what he did last what he did last season because it was so good that you forget about his time at Sunderland. Um, uh, for different reasons that ended quite badly and was was never very good. You forget about his time in Spain, as brief yeah. as it was. Sociedad. Yeah, I think he was on onto a, a, a loss from the start at Old Trafford, so I don't wouldn't use that against him. But I don't know if you, if you should go back in football. I don't know. I just I suppose it's a very long winded way of saying I'm just not not sure. I can see a lot of reasons why they would want to get Moyes, and I can sort of at the same time have this nagging feeling that. It's better to to move forward. Yeah, I mean, I've always been of of that mind myself. I, I, I don't think you go back unless unless you absolutely have to. Um, Moyes' stock is on the rise again. I think he, to be fair to him, did very very well last season with West Ham. You refer to recruitment there, and certainly with Suchek and and Kufal. I'd like to see Everton do more of that kind of business mm-hmm. than in bringing guys that are kind of twenty nine, thirty, slightly on the wane from suppose the top clubs. I think that's the blueprint Everton should be following. That doesn't necessarily mean it needs to be David Moyes doing that, but that's a that's almost something that needs to be taken on in a recruitment sense at Everton. And it'd be nice if there was synergy and a strategy in place between director of football and the manager so that they're on the same page entirely almost in terms of who they want to, to bring in. Um, you look at the players that Carlo went for last summer and it was Hamez and Alan. Then with Brands, it was Ducore and Nkunku. Yeah. Godfrey. Uh, so there's a bit of a split there and that's not to say you need to go entirely one way or the other, but they're, they're very different, those two demographics there. So my overall arguments, I've had a lot of people asking me who I think should be the new Everton manager. I've kind of given you a, a list of attributes there that I think are important. Um, but my one wish, if you will, is that the guy that is actually employed to do these kinds of things as director of football, Marcel Brands, is having a very large say in uh, what happens and who they they look to appoint. I don't think this can be somebody that's imposed from right above. Brands needs to be, and he is part of the discussion, let's let's be fair, but he needs to be the one that's 100% happy with with who he's going to be working with. That relationship needs to, to be right, doesn't it? I couldn't agree more. It's let's please hope that this this search is is led by and um, ultimately dis- even arguably decided by the club's director of football, not super agents, not owners or chairman. Yes, by all means, feed in um, that you know these people, of course, sh- should be key key parts of the process the after all they're uh in terms of the chairman bill kenwright the most experienced and, and most committed and, and knowledgeable person about everton on that board then you've got mishiri who's the most committed financially massively 
the club's massively indebted to his financial backing and, and determination to improve them. Um, and the fact that he keeps going, you know, is resilient in, in, in terms of trying to carry on improving them on and off the pitch, despite the setbacks like this. Yeah. But ultimately, they've given Marcel Brands, as director of football, a three-year ex- extension to his contract. Yeah. So if you're going to have a director of football, let him re- effectively recruit the manager. Yeah, well, he's part, he's part of that process, isn't he? But look back at previous appointments and Mashiri wanted Silva, so he got Silva. Mashiri wanted a big-name manager, so he got Carlo Ancelotti. I'm not saying Marcel Brands was actively against bringing these guys in, but Ronald Koeman, again, came from Mashiri. The, these, are, these are all appointments from very high up, and Mashiri needs to have some kind of input because he is the one that owns the football club, effectively. Um, but you do have a director of football there. You do have a guy that effectively should be making these kind of decisions. At other clubs, let's say, for example, Graham Potter at Brighton were to leave. Brighton would have mechanisms in place where they would already be looking for the next Graham Potter and, and finding somebody to fit into that style. I just think Everton lurch between styles. Look look back at the last five, six managers Ancelotti is fundamentally different in approach and style to Marco Silva. Silva was fundamentally different to Ancelotti. Uh, to Sorry, Ancelotti again. Lots of Ancelotti on the mind. <laughs> Allardyce, who was different to Martinez and Koeman and Moyes. All these guys, nothing really unites them to any extent. And I think that's a problem in itself because you're trying to, with such an up, upheaval and such a regular flux when it comes to managers coming and going, the playing staff, managers are bringing in new players all the time and you end up with everything and nothing. Players that maybe can do a little bit of everything but not do anything 100% well in one one particular style. So, uh, yeah, I, I think there needs to be more synergy, and I hate that word, but needs to be more synergy across the operation there to, to make sure that Everton push on beyond Carlo Ancelotti in 10th place in the Premier League. That's what I would say. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 
See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Before we go any further with with other suggestions, Greg, I did put a tweet out earlier asking people for um, their suggestions for Everton's new manager. So shall I run some of these names past you and see what you think? Go for it. I'm not going to, I'm not going to start with Gallardo over in Argentina because I think with the best one in the world, he is a hipster choice. Um, but as our producer, Ollie is telling me there's, there's at least two shouts here already for Graham Potter. Is Graham Potter somebody Everton should be looking at Greg? It's certainly someone they should, should be considering. Yeah. I, not, you know, it's it's for them to decide if he's ultimately uh, the man. But his his work has been really good at Ostersons. Um, you know, a lot of promising talk about what he did at Swansea, and very good last season at Brighton. So, um, or, or, you know, in, in the circumstances anyway, I think he is. As you just pointed out before, we we asked, we we looked at what you you you've been saying on Twitter. Um, he's the type of manager that you, you can. So imagine him working with a sporting director. You can imagine him building a style that would hopefully be one that would, if Everton decide what Everton is about on the pitch, and you've spoken about it earlier, and I agree with you, it's about tempo, it's about aggression, it's about pace, it's about attacking teams, um, you know, vigor at Goodison Park, you know, all those things. I think he could do that. I think he he could build a team that does that. And again, I think he is a young, hungry manager who would view Everton as a step up. I think he's impressive. And I think we need more managers that view Everton as a step up rather than either a stepping stone or the final paycheck. Uh, we've had loads of suggestions, so, th- so thanks for sending them in to us. Lots for Potter. Galtier, who recently won the uh, League and title with Lille. Interesting one. But is leaving Lille um, close to Nice, but that's not fully done. I think he's a great shout. I think he's a fantastic manager. He's done such a good job in difficult circumstances at Lille. Um, do I expect him to be somebody in the frame for the Everton job? Probably not, but these things can change quickly. Ralph Rangnick's an interesting one, Greg. That's a, a blast from the past from me there. You'll, you'll be well aware of his name from reporting on Everton over the years. Yeah, Rangnick's a really interesting one. I'm glad someone said that. I was going to mention him anyway. I think he's obviously interviewed for the job before Roberto Martinez got it back in 2013. Was a promising candidate then. Continues to be a really well thought of, respected uh, tactician, thinker, manager, sporting director. Um, he's had various roles, hasn't he? I think he'd be a really interesting choice. He's desperate to work in, in the Premier League. Um, I would be very, very intrigued to see what would come from to see him working in the, in the Premier League. Uh, would it be a step up? Yeah. I think it would be still, you know, he, he threw his hat in uh, all those years ago. Uh, he hasn't been in the top English tough flight yet. I, I would be excited by that, the prospect of Ralph Rangnick. Don't know about you. I think he's very good. I just wonder, he has he, he also in his time done very good work as a sporting director, director of football. Yeah. I, I think it kind of 
cast into doubt what the point of Marcel Brands would be in in that scenario, and and obviously they've just committed to to, to Marcel um, for three more years. So I feel I've got to mention Neil Abrahams, who I'm pretty sure we both follow on Twitter. Greg, he keeps mentioning Ernesto Valverde to me, the former Barcelona manager, former Athletic Bilbao manager. So I'm going to mention him just to keep Neil happy, but he is a good manager as well. It it has to be, it has to be said. Um, here's another interesting one for you be, before maybe we go in a slightly different direction. Jake says Richarlison to follow Carlo to Madrid, and then there's a there's an emoji here that I can't really <laughs> get too much into. Uh, <laughs> what do you think about that one? Um, I would be surprised if 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 Richarlison has done enough last season. Uh, to suggest that he should be at Madrid. Of course, people might say it wasn't very long ago that he was being linked with like an 80 plus 90 million pound move to uh, Spain's other super club in Barcelona. Um, as we know, there was never a bid made by Barcelona, but th- there was interest. Um, he- he's gone backwards a fair bit since then, unfortunately. He had a, I'd say, overall disappointing season. Um all the options that Real Madrid would have, I'd be surprised if they would consider Richarlison. However, I'm sorry, very fond of him. Did he look like a Real Madrid player last season? I just, I, I don't know, I just didn't see it. No, no, he didn't. Um, and it's, you know, remains to be seen how much Real Madrid will be able to, as it stands, go and splash money on, on players anyway. Um, they're supposedly broke, aren't they? Isn't that the point of why they're trying to make the breakaway with the, the big six and that's, yeah. that's one of the points of Super League. They always seem to find a way to spend. So, you know, sounding naive there, but let's say Richardson's worth at least, I don't know, let's uh, risk of sounding mad here after the season. Yeah, but let's say at least 50, 50 million, 60 odd million-ish. I don't know. It's his age, I'm thinking. The fact he's Brazilian international, he didn't look like a 60, 50 million pound player last season. I know that. The season before, he looked like he should be worth even more. He exactly, like one he did. Most, one of the best young attackers in the Premier League. So this is, again, was. Yeah, yeah. an example of how quickly things can change, but probably not the best market now to sell Richarlison, no. unless no. he lights things up at the Copa America later later this summer. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Richarlison, because obviously he did speak about giving Everton one more year. Thanks. Thanks for that. Uh, one more year to um, <laughs> kind of see how far they could push on under Ancelotti. Um, so whether he will be convinced by another manager to, to give it another year, we'll have to wait and see. Um, got this from Chicago Evertonians. And again, this is a, a pretty dramatic change attack. So bear with me, Greg. Appreciate managerial appointment. At the priority at this moment from Chicago Evertonians would also welcome your thoughts on club's announcements re-Florida Cup. Uh, for those that don't know, Everton uh, announced their participation, COVID permitting in a pre-season tournament in Florida, in Orlando, in July. Arsenal are going to be there, Inter Milan will be there, and Milanaros, uh, Colombian 2018 champions, uh, Wikipedia handily tells me, hmm. um, <laughs> are going to be there. Everton will play Milanaros first up. American Evertonians on my timeline are very excited about this, Greg. Are you excited about it, particularly if there's any kind of opportunity that the Athletic wants to send both of their dedicated Everton reporters over there? I mean, as come and get me, please go. If 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 the Athletic, if any of our bosses are listening now and fancy sending us over there, then I'm very excited at that prospect. Uh, we'll see about that one. Eh? Um, in terms of generally the, the, the competition, I think it's it's interesting, good commercial opportunity for the club. 
Um, I've long thought that they should be doing more in North America. We know they would probably have been going there last summer pre-season had it not been for COVID. Um, So in fairness, I think the club are fully aware of the opportunities they've got. Um, I think they'll look to do so again, by the way, even if this is difficult this time around with, with, I mean, I know Florida is a different entity at the moment and people can move around pretty freely. Um, unlike in other parts of, of Europe in particular. Um, but I think they'll look to do this again. They'll look yeah. to like, roll it out and turn it into potentially more of a tour. Yeah, if James Rodriguez is obviously a massive draw uh, in that part of the world, obviously there's a huge South American and Latino community in that part of America. So it's it makes sense. It'll be exciting. As you say, there's some good teams involved in the competition and um, it's, it's something to look forward to, I think. And I'm glad that, that they are American supporters are going to have the chance, hopefully, hopefully to go and watch Everton live. Yeah. That, with, that, that, with whoever yeah. in the dugout. Yeah, that, that'd be great. Let's, let's see who it is at, at, at that time and maybe hopefully a, a new signing or two to, to boot that they could they can see in, in the flesh. Uh, the, the final part of the question was talking about the international strategy. I think that is a key strand. They, they've obviously opened up soccer schools over there. They now have a base, I believe, in, in Miami, a, a mm-hmm. club headquarters that they work out of. They have uh, designated US staff pushing marketing initiatives over there. So while Everton are out, I don't think the players will be able to do too much. They'll have to stay in a bubble um, to participate in the tournament. That, that's a stipulation, as I understand it. The club will look to do kind of your marketing activations. I don't I don't know. I can't speak for the club, but I mean, if I were them, I'd be having Tim Howard and Landon Donovan and and those guys if, if, if the situation allows um, engaging with fans. Um, you've obviously got to take a big shed load of kits over there and hopefully uh, people want kits with, with our new signings on and, and that kind of stuff. So the, the, I think the club are making a big push in, in the Americas. It's it's not only North America, but also South America too. While they've got people like Mina and, and Hammers, they, they want to make inroads there and they, getting feet on the ground is a crucial part of that pre-season and, and in terms of the headquarters. Absolutely. So a positive note perhaps there to, to end uh, what's otherwise been a pretty kind of serious podcast, but uh, it is a positive note, and, and hopefully there are much more positive times on the horizon uh, for us. And thanks very much for sticking with us this season uh, on the podcast. We've enjoyed all your interaction. We've enjoyed doing these podcasts. Um, thanks to Ollie and the rest of the lads, Tom, uh, for for putting up with our ramblings and producing it. And um, we do look forward, like I say, to uh, to coming back to you. We'll be back before middle of July if and when a manager is appointed for an episode to discuss that but in the meantime we hope you keep safe enjoy uh, your break if you haven't one and uh, stick with us on The Athletic for there'll be further coverage towards the end of the week about what happened with Ancelotti and, and again sort of the fallout from that at Finch Farm take care of yourselves and let's hope that as I say there are better times on the horizon for the Blues thanks very much